Hello to the new episode of Supply Cast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today, I am joined in a special episode by an extremely special guest. It's new Chief Officer of the HCSA, Keith Rowley. Keith, how are you doing? Very good, Bruce. Thanks very much. That feels a bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> now in official capacity, although it doesn't quite yeah. feel like that, having been kind of getting involved slowly over the last month or two. Yeah, you've kind of had you, your feet are well under the desk at this at this stage, but you've had the official chains. We believe they're called the chains. The chains? Of, the chains of office, I believe. <laughs> uh, so you, you've got them. The pit, you know, the, the pictures are out there. So therefore, you know, there's no going back. That's I know, where that we are. Is- Feels so odd <laughs> having to have your picture taken. I haven't worn a tie for over two years now, and I'm not no generally one, one to wear a tie. And now I've got to wear a right. tie with these chains. That's so uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's something something new to get used to. So, um, uh, you know, first of all, I guess congratulations and having the full inauguration, if you may be so so proud to say inauguration in this instance. I always think if there's a large metal chain involved, inauguration is the right word for it. Yeah, no, thanks, Bruce. It's really kind of you. Um, it's it, there's a formality to it, yeah, but it's also, I suppose, I guess it shares HCSA's history, yeah. where it started and what it's about, and and I think there's a recognition of that. Therefore, whilst it might feel a bit uncomfortable, there's an importance to it, and it recognises mm-hmm. what HCSA is and how its proud history with all of the people that have been part of that organisation in various different offices, and more recently Simon Allen and and, and others that have followed before that. So. Yeah, very proud to be taking it on. So before we, we will go into that a little bit more and a little bit about the um, some of the announcements that have been made in the wake of your official inauguration. But to start off with, um, you know, you're a well-known figure in healthcare procurement, Keith, if I may be so bold. Um, actually, a little interesting aside that I wanted to say before I go into a little bit about your, bit your background is that I can remember several months ago, I was kind of like caught trying to find a picture of you for one of our supply cast panels because regular listeners of this show will know that we had a supply cast panel um, that has convened on several different yeah. occasions, meaning that, you know, technically, Keith, even though this is your first like one to one on supply cast, I believe this is your third appearance on supply cast, which I believe ties you with Simon Walsh already. Well, I'm tied with Simon already. That is is an honour. Although, although, to be fair, it's easier to work with others to do it, but I've definitely definitely been more nervous this time. It's been nice doing it with the team in the past, Richard Clara and um, Daniel. And and we'll come to that because, obviously, again, um, that supply cast panel included yourself, Keith, as as you'll remember, um, Richard Whiteside and Clara Purnell, who are the new deputy chief chief officers, which we will discuss in a little bit more detail later. So in a way, it feels that there's almost like a, um, you know, like a mystic Meg. Hey, maybe you're Crystal Balling. Maybe, maybe, maybe any teams you put together on a, on a podcast now, Bruce, will be the next future deputies. And <laughs> I know, yeah, I was looking at that and thinking, well, that was a well, well put together uh, team there. Um, that was done with no prior knowledge by anybody, actually. So it's, it's interesting how, uh, I suppose it says a lot, doesn't it? And now you sort of say, who would work well on the panel? Then people obviously suggested people who are knowledgeable, experienced and passionate to yeah. put the panel together. And so there's a certain synergy, isn't there, between what you would look for in, in, in DCOs at 
HCSA. Um, yeah. We will get that shortly, I guess, in more detail. Um, one thing I was, what I was going to say to you is a number of months ago, I was looking to find a picture of yourself and uh, I was being like a little bit lazy. So I just sort of like Googled it, you know, um, Keith Rowley, Keith Rowley and thought it would come up. One did come up, but you came up as the second image. The first image was, did you know, there's also a Keith Rowley who is the president of Trinidad and Tobago. I've not heard of that. <laughs> There's not many of us around. I have to say, I don't come across too many Rowleys. Um, and I definitely don't come across too many Keith Rowleys. Head of Trinidad and Tobago. I am quite internationally travelled, though, so may maybe maybe he's a related ancestor. <laughs> the southernmost island uh, country of the Caribbean, of course, with this huge fossil fuel wealth. Oh. Um, that's yeah, that's um, you know, clearly I've been I, I wikipedia that before before recording. Oh, my best man's from Trinidad. <laughs> all his family are from there. Maybe there's a connection there. Oh, I'm loving this already. So, Keith, we always start off in supply class with uh, you know a little bit about your background, how you got to where you were. Obviously, a lot of people will be aware of that already with you, but just for the for the um, uh, purposes of consistency with the supply class, can you tell us a little bit about? how you got to where you are um how did i get to where i am so i was yeah long story it depends on how far you want to go sometime sometime after the dinosaurs sometime after and, the dinosaurs. <laughs> and prior to you entering public life <laughs> well i was i was born in africa actually so if you want wow. to go back to when i was first i was actually born yeah. in zambia in lusaka my dad was a expatriate worker in the hotel trade um, oh really left, yeah left in the 70s you know the whole all connected to that sort of the basil faulty films and all that kind of stuff of what the hotel industry was like so he wasn't in right. the top end so he, he got out yeah. and um moved to africa with with my mum and myself and my sister were born there and then he moved back to the uk and we lived in ipswich for a bit which is where my football allegiance comes from yeah um and then and then I, we went back, actually went back and lived in Malawi for a few years before they kind of retired. And I was, I was kind of schooled overseas. And then eventually we came back. I came back and lived in the UK. They, they moved to Istanbul for a few years um, and then moved back into, into Holland, which was where they were for, for much of my, my youth. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, I, I kind of went through school. Um, my first real job was as a barman on the Algarve in the Portugal. I managed to get a job out there working in the yeah. bars. Um, I then went and ran a small clothes store. I ended up actually, um, I then applied for a job working for Pontins as a blue coat. So I was actually a blue coat for two summer seasons with them. And then- This is, all, this is already my favorite prior to entering healthcare. Yeah. Well, there's so oh, many, there's so much yeah. to be in a blue coat because yeah. I was employed not because I was one of the good singers and dancers. I was employed because I was absolutely shocking. So they took <laughs> me on to be the person they put on stage to get other people to come up and do the karaoke because I was. Just oh, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so then I went. I did my degree, went to Teesside Uni, did a masters at York, um, and then I joined. From that, I joined Computer Centre. And I worked for them for fourteen years. And, and I, and, I used to know computer centre in an old uh, in an old job of mine. Yeah, I was right. aware of them. Yeah, I used to, when I when I was reporting on that for um, Computer Weekly. Yeah, many, many moons ago. So I knew about computer centre. Yeah, um, many an interview with uh, um, Mike Norris and about his fumes jackets and 
all that sales stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They were big on that. Yeah. They were big on yeah. that. But I really enjoyed it with computers and I was there for a long time. And then actually my anniversary with HCSA, my start date with HSA is my is officially my tenth year in the NHS. So I, I the same is a kind of double double whammy because I left Computer Center and joined NOECPC as it as it still is today on the on the first of October ten years ago. There's a synergy. It's, again, it's that it's that crazy synergy. It's obviously meant to be, isn't it? Yeah. So it's been it's been a strange circle, and then yeah, I've been with NOECPC um, yeah, for ten years and really enjoyed it. Got involved with with the towers um, as they were set up when we moved a lot of the clinical contracting from NOECPC over to Category Towers. Um, we still own one of those towers in Tower Eleven, but also sort of a little bit of an inf a little bit of a share over CPP, although that's really run by Helen um and uh, yeah and also took on more recently the responsibility for lypfts and these community health uh, procurement logistics function as well so yeah a bit of a sort of local national regional regional role as it sits now i know you've had an involvement with hsa uh for for some time so i suppose the obvious question at this point is did you um, did you covet the idea of being chief officer at one stage? I know from doing this podcast panels that, again, you got, you've got a lot of passion for what goes the people that work in healthcare procurement, etc. You know the, the key themes: what 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 works, what doesn't work, what how you you know things should work better in the future, and those kind of things. Did you always have that? Does, does, was it, I know it's a tricky question, but did you always think to yourself, I wouldn't mind at some point in my career? Uh, taking up the leadership of the HCSA? Um, I wouldn't have said so in the early stages. In the early stages, very much just interested in getting involved in, in the mm. profession and being supportive. And HCSA always struck me as the, the vehicle that, that represented all of that and therefore was really keen to be a part of it. Um, I guess more recently, it was it's of interest. I'm not sure I'd have necessarily... I, I didn't plan now. Mm. I, I think I would have thought a little bit further ahead um i've always been a little bit conflicted with it because i think it's quite important as a balance of people who've got different roles in across hcsa and up until more recently i've always been involved in that sort of regional to national bit and i've always felt there was ne there needed to be a strong voice of the local mm -hmm. um and simon allen prior to that helen and, and other predecessors have always done a really good job with that so i always felt I was a little bit nervous about whether that was the right kind of kind of thing um yeah, it, it's a, I've always, have I coveted it? No, but it's always, it, I've always thought it'd be nice to do on the basis mm -hmm. that it'd be giving something back and that I am passionate about it and I am passionate yeah. about representing that profession. So it's a privilege, it genuinely is a privilege and an honour to be part of. Where do you see HCSA right now in terms of, um how it's got to the stage of it you know 61 years now how it's got to that period of its history what it's achieved so far but where you think it what you think it needs to be looking to achieve in, in the future what stage of its development do you think it's at HSA? so i wasn't around too much in its early days so it's difficult for me to comment um but it was very much part of that the older landscape linked to PASA and, and and the nhs environment that was there before um, I think the recent changes 
have built really good foundations. So the building of the charitable trust status, um, the organization around that, the, 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 the growth in the National Council, um, the structure around that and the interest around that, I think is really, really positive. And I think a lot's been done to get HCSA into a better place and begin to modernize it. Because I do think if you looked look back a few years, certainly when I started to get involved, I felt it needed to come into a modern era. It mm -hmm. felt a little bit like an old boys club. Yeah. And that I think started to change. I think some people would still argue that's a little bit there, but I do think that started mm -hmm. to change. So I'd like to continue that journey moving into the future. What I think I'd like to see is the HCSA represent more of NHS procurement and supplies. It's mm -hmm. a little bit head of procurement, procurement led. Yep. So I'd like to see it do that. I'd like to see greater involvement of the UK, not just England. Yep. So I guess I'd like, I, I talk about it as I'd like to see a more inclusive HCSA, more inclusive in its its role reach so that it reaches more into supplies and logistics than it currently does and is more representative of those professions than I think we get credit for or, or get representation for. And mm -hmm. I'd like to see it more inclusive of the wider geographies. I think Wales and Northern Ireland are really supportive of it. And I think we'd, we'd like to build a stronger relationship with colleagues in Scotland than we necessarily have. Um, but it also with the formation of ICSs, we've got to build on that depth in, in England as well. Um, I also think we need to play a greater role around professional development. We have some great programs around PDP um, and we're building some interesting things. But I think for me that there's a real opportunity to do that. And then the last bit is really connecting up with with our supply networks. We've got great partners and sponsors for HCSA, but we've got an opportunity to better connect. And that's that is the core role of procurement. So for me, there's those three three priorities developing those things as we move forward. More inclusion greater geographical reach, improving our learning development and, and that last bit around around our relationship with our supply networks. Stole my thunder there. I was about to say encapsulate it in three things and you just did, which is very kind. Uh, <laughs> well, I so, actually reeled it off on my finger, I think, four, actually. So I, I nearly made that, made that for you. Three, three and a half, maybe, but I think we can bracket the last <laughs> bit as the third. Obviously, a, an important part of that is... The, the immediate team at HCSA. You've been very busy in uh, while you've been putting getting your feet under the table in pulling um, additions to that team to the team that we that, we, that we're going to have as the nucleus nucleus there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the recent announcements we've had, which is I guess first of all the two uh, deputy chief officers. So immediately I'm thinking. Tell us a little bit about why you uh, approached, um, uh, where, where they obviously came forward, but also why you were keen on bringing in uh, Richard Whiteside and Clara Parnell in those positions. And also perhaps a little bit about why you decided to have two of them, because, you know, I know in recent times there's been, there's, there's been one with obviously Simon Borsch being the most recent holder of that title. Yeah. So I guess that the, the reason for two is probably the best place to start. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, HCSA has always been very reliant on the on its chief officer, and I think if you look back and take listening to Simon and, and other predecessors talk about that chief officer role, including Mark and others, it's a lot of responsibility and it's a lot lot to do. 
And I think if we're to move HCSA forward, we just I can't, it can't be reliant on me doing all of that. It, it won't happen. And it, it isn't now because of the back office, and we'll touch on that in a second. But it, it needs greater representation and depth. So there's that aspect being yeah. purely selfish. There's another aspect that says, actually, we need to sort of build greater resilience. So building greater resilience by appointing two starts to give us that. And then the, the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle for me was finding two people with that passion and desire. And I think we've absolutely got that in Richard yeah. and Clara. Um, and I'm, I'm absolutely bowled over and delighted they've accepted the proposition. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a strong um, list of options. And it's brilliant those two have agreed to take up those posts. But I also hope it gives us some of that inclusion. It doesn't quite give us the geographical inclusion that I talked about, but it does start to represent some of those trusts. And I think people will know me more for being associated to regional procurement, collaborative procurement hubs and the, the links to the national model. Um, what was really important for me was to have two people that allowed us to understand and keep connected with the local. And, and in Clara representing acute and Richard representing community and mental health. I think we've really got that. And I, I'm really excited about the balance of the team, not just in that reach, but also in the different styles and skills we'll bring to that. Um, and that was a big part of it for me. So yeah, really, really, really excited to have them on board. And I think I think the, the future is bright um, as we kind of say farewell to Simon, which is feels mm -hmm. really hard to do because he's he's been so instrumental in everything HCSA. Hopefully we won't see him disappear too far. He's still going to be in Manchester. I still <laughs> think he'll be very active in HCSA and he's yeah he's never he just relentlessly commits, doesn't he? But um and he, he really stepped up and took over and held the fort for us as, as I've come into post. But I can't thank him enough for that. So I think I think it's trying to find that right transition into the future. Well, I I was fortunate enough to have Richard and, and Clara on the panels that we did together, and and yourself. And I think uh, you know, looking back at it, at, at it now, all the things you just said that Richard and Clara will um, demonstrate in those positions. I think you, you saw just I saw just in doing those supply cards. You know, as you say, all the passion, the knowledge, the experience, uh, the desire yeah. to move forward. Which, and they've got some yeah. fantastic ideas with some initiative to take forward on those kind of work streams we talked about. So learning development, our relationship with the sponsors, the development national council to make it more inclusive. Actually, I think they can really help us deliver that. And if it's just down to one individual, we we're never going to do that. If it was down to two, mm -hmm. I think we'd struggle. You know, Simon and, and Alan in previous worlds. And if you go back and talk to Helen and, and others, it, it's a lot to take on and a lot to try and do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's the deputy chief office officer situation taken care of. There's there's two of them now. Yeah, we've doubled down on that on that on that role. Someone else that that's that's also coming back into the to, into the fold. He's barely been away. Is the former um, just about the former chief officer really, Alan Hoskins? Uh, I think a lot of people will be really excited to see that Alan's going to be playing a role in HCSA going forward. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and um, your feelings about having Alan staying as that sort of continuity. Yeah, so the continuity bit was really important. Alan obviously stepped away from working in the NHS um, and therefore it's difficult to put him in a frontline role. But 
what he, what he helped build in the charitable trust and helped put together, I think is really important in, in that, um, in how the HSA is going to move forward. And bringing him back allows us to get a grip of that and keep, keep the maintenance of that. I'm not so close to that. Um, it also provides that continuity and link, and I think it will help strengthen the executive teams with myself and the two DCs, because we've got that voice of someone who's done it before sitting there as part of that back office team and helping us coordinate. Um, what we need to be careful is not, not to forget that there's a lot of other people around that HSA, including yourself, Bruce, um, Mark Ibbotson and the work he's doing on the PDP and the learning development thing, but also Kath and, and everything she's been organising. So for me, it was, it was about creating the capacity in that back office team. I've been doing a bit of work trying to plan out the different aspects of HSA and the, the things that we operate in. Um, and I talked about those three priorities, but but the run in the back office is quite important. Um, and just just bringing Alan in to help us manage that back office, his knowledge, his understanding of and yeah. all of that, and the continuity it will bring to the team to help us not miss some of those those obvious tricks that just keep the HSA ticking along and and moving forward in in a structured way. It's it's. Uh... It's interesting. Before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about football teams, and and you were talking about your passion for for Ipswich. And you know, it occurs to me, and I, I support a football team, Arsenal, that recently are looking to, you know, we trust the process. Is the phrase around Arsenal has been for a few years now, um, and I guess you know we talk about you know i mean I, you know we bored each other me and my, my mates i go to football we bored each other to death about um balance you know the key word being balance and it strikes me that we were talking about it switch town and you know it's all about getting the balance right um, and i guess that's that's what you've tried to sort of pull together with the hsa team that we were going forward which i'm delighted to be i'm very proud actually to be a part of um how what would you what would you equate the hs CSA team that you're putting together here. What kind of era of Ipswich Town teams would that, would that be? I'm just wondering about where we'd fit on. Oh, the, I was thinking. I hope. Place. I hope I haven't built Ipswich. I hope I haven't built this team on the grounds of Ipswich's current progress as we languish at the bottom of League One, having gone from the joys of the 1980s where we were top of uh, top of the Premier League as it's now known, um, and UEFA Cup winners. God, I hope that's not the recipe. That is this the escape to victory team? Is this, <laughs> That's is the this one, the yeah. Plucky, is it the plucky escape to victory of John Walk? And John Walk, Arnold Beer and Franz Tyson, <laughs> Paul Cooper, Russell Osman. Still, I've still got one of the programmes signed by the lads as well. Um, if it was, it would be something like that. They always mm. came a little bit up short. So I, mm. I think this is a real stellar team. The football analogy is an interesting one. He made me think about when I when I worked in my previous role, I, I did a bit of sales work mm. and we used to talk about the campaign and getting the right team on the field to, to deliver. We always used to talk and I've carried that analogy with me into, into everything that I do now. And you talk about making sure you've got the right team. And I yeah. think HCSA has got that right team. We've got we've got um, myself on, on the front line, if you like, and representing the HCSA. But I think we've got we've got a great midfield with Clara and, and Richard. And I think we've got a fantastic defence and back office team in yourself, Kath, Mark and Alan. And that, that's probably to do it a disservice if you were to draw the analogies. And then behind that, we've got we've got the goalkeepers in the trustees with Mark and, and, and the team there. So yeah, maybe there's an analogy to draw there. It probably, probably, probably don't quite work when you think about what people's importance of their roles are, but, yeah. but it is a team effort, isn't it? And the whole team's mm -hmm. got to deliver. 
to make the whole thing work. And so, I, yeah, in that sense, I think it's quite exciting. That was very nicely done, Keith. I, I, I uh, sort of, I sort of like foisted that on you, that analogy. I know. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. That, that just got made up on the hoop. No, <laughs> it was very but good. It, the more you, it's a good question because it has, it does make you think about it. And actually, mm. as you think about it, that idea does learn. It's, it's a really important team sap, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. And I think too often it's been, you can't play a football team with two players on the pitch. You need to play a football yeah. team with 11 or more. And well, increasingly now you look at modern football, it's, it's the team that comes off the bench as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's the team that you're that you've like already plucked together. As we said, you really you, you, your feet will your feet were already running before you before you officially took over. I know you were keen to do that and you've got your, the, the team together, the team to move forward with. Um, if there was uh, one particular aspect that you would like when you come to completing your term, Already took. It's a bit like when your kids start school holiday and they go into the supermarket and they see back to school everywhere. I don't want to rush you through your era of chief officer, but when you come to the end of your era of chief officer, um, do you do you already think to yourself about what you'd like to leave as a legacy? Would it be development, a key period of development um, of the HSA post COVID, Brexit, those kinds of things? Have you thought about that at all? Um. No, not really. I've, I, I don't think about my legacy. I think about where's the HCSA going and how can it go mm. on a journey. In any of my career roles, I've always found change is a long journey. Mm-hmm. So if, if my 10 years, two or three or whatever years it is, that's not long enough to look at the future of the HCSA. The HCSA yeah. needs to be looking in a five-year horizon. So yeah. I, you know, developing our capability in that learning space the inclusion space and representing the whole profession those are the two things you want to make sure it's in a position Mm. to be starting to really do in in two years time and that whoever comes in and replaces me at that point is able to take that on to the next level because I kind of feel I'm coming in on the back of others and sort Mm -hmm. of building on 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 the vision that they've put in place and the foundation they've started to build and I think that continuity of building is important rather than what's my legacy in two to three mm-hmm. years time i'd rather be looking at it going have i built sufficient platform for whoever goes from there yeah. to, to keep going and keep developing it in in the direction and the only other challenge for hcsa is is the nhs is never static it's constantly moving mm-hmm. constantly changing um so the hcsa has got to keep changing to stay relevant in that in that changing nhs world to pick the right priorities to align with what we're trying to do before we move on to the uh, the fun desert island supplies part at the end of the podcast, um, I just wanted to be remiss of me not to mention the fact that in November we've we've got the conference coming back face to face. There's already been some uh, uh, the P for H was face to face as well, so we're getting back into face to face meetings. How important is that for HCSA that come November we're going to be able to get back to a more traditional uh, event? So I went to P for H and it was, it was interesting. Um, and there was, there was, there was good attendance there for me. HSA conference though, is the opportunity for that, that procurement profession to come together physically. I, I really feel hopeful about that. Mm. I think, um, 
I think the majority of people I speak to are really keen to do that. We want to physically reconnect, create those networks that you can't do over virtual conferences. We've done that for a couple of, on the last couple, and, and we've done a pretty good, pretty amazing job with that in delivering those. But there's a, there's a desire to connect and a desire to network. And I think it's a real opportunity. And I'm really excited about the, the speakers. I think we've got real interest from national bodies, whether supply chain and or, or the PTON program prepared to come along and, and front up and listen to that procurement profession. So I think there's a great opportunity to, to come and connect up with that. I think people want to see that. I just I just hope there's nothing out of the blue on COVID that that yeah that derails yeah. that. So everything's crossed that that isn't the case. It looks yeah. like everything's in chain to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and fingers crossed that 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 trajectory continues. But but you can never plan to assume that 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 left field activity of COVID that we've seen changes. But, but fingers crossed we're all together in arrogant and it will be it should be a pretty amazing couple of days. Absolutely. And of course, you know, the, the virtual conferences that we've had at HCSA because of COVID restrictions, I think have worked really great as well. Um, in those situations. I mean, I was I was I was kind of blown away with how well they worked. I and mean, I think that they were very smooth, very slick. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that people would have, these things would have been a really difficult thing to pull together. Not that it wasn't easy and people worked very hard to pull them together, but I mean, the technology and also how they were put together, they were tremendously successful virtual events, weren't they? Well, it shows maybe what we could do wider. So, you know, how do we balance it? There's, there's an importance of coming together and physically connecting, mm. isn't there? But but we're not going to see everything go back to that. Everybody's going to travel to physically connect. So, so there are going to be things we're going to need to do in that virtual space. And, and maybe those are the things we can hook and link to the greater inclusion of people. Because HSA is wonderful as a conference, but, but there's yeah. also people that struggle to get there either because budgets don't sure. allow it sure. or, or because the travel arrangements and the timeouts just too big to do. So, so hopefully we can, we can find other ways of connecting those groups up. Yep. Great. So, I'm going to move you on now to the to the bit at the end. Oh, I've been dreading this. I've been working with brains preparing for this. I've been talking to the family and everything about this. Kind of Brilliant. Work this out. It's horrendous. I would, I would expect no less from you, Keith, to have got your little ducks in a row before being presented with this. This is Desert Island Supplies. I'd, I'd like to get a jingle at some point, like Desert Island Supplies. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, this is, yeah, so I'm whisking you off to your Desert Island now, Keith, as regular listeners will know, there is plenty of food and water for reasons that we won't go into, just except that it is that case. Um, and you get, as ever, you get a luxury item, you get to take an album, one album of your choice, and you get to take uh, a film. Um, and, you, and you will be, uh, you know, they'll be the source of your ent entertainment uh, for however long you're on that island. Let's let's assume you're on the island forever. <laughs> um, so first of all, the luxury item. Last time out, Sharon Robson gave us our most practical suggestion yet and choice, which was a pair of scissors, which, um, as I said, I kind of kind of love that because I think it's all really really um, sort of got under the, under the skin of, of the kind of person Sharon is that she thought practicality over, you, you know, luxury almost. Um, but Keith, don't let that sway you. <laughs> you can be as impractical as you want. What would be your luxury item that you'd be taking away with you? 
Oh, this was this was a tricky one. Um, family's really important to me. It's the first thing that actually came into my mind. It's going to be really cliche, but was my wife. And I said that at the dinner table the other day in front of my kids. And my son went, you can't say that. That's so embarrassing, Dad. <laughs> um, but, but she genuinely, she's, she's a bit of a luxury item for me. And she certainly keeps me mm. in line. Um, but you can't take people. So my, my well, honest luxury well, item. I'm gonna, it's very, actually, one, okay, who was it? Who was it now? We did have someone earlier. And it escapes me, but uh, who was it? But someone did take their husband once before. Right. And I did, and I did allow it. But. Haven't said that. You've already given your wife the shout out, so I'm going to ask for a luxury item. I think you've done your. I think you've done your bit, Keith. I think, <laughs> I think brownie so, points. I think. I think you've got your brownie points. I think. I think you're safe. I think you're safe to go home. So I think you're okay as far as that's concerned. But maybe we could have an an, an luxury a luxury item. Yeah. yeah. So my proper luxury item, I would. I'd just. I'd bring my bed. Because yeah. well, you just yeah. can't go without a good night's sleep cures all ills in my opinion. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. And, and you probably you'd be looking at sand or a hammock from a bit of discarded cargo netting at best oh, on that but if you had island. your bed, oh, with yeah. your pillows and, oh, that'd yeah, just be right. luxury, wouldn't it? You know. <laughs> so, Keith, you're going to be... You're going to be... a mem- Is it a memory? Do you, do you go for a memory phone mattress? Is that what you... No, I, well, normal. Fo- I'm a bit of a cheapskate, so memory foam's a bit mm. too expensive. So just quite I'm, hard memory foam. Yeah, it's quite. Yeah. I don't get. I had a memory foam pillow, and it was a bit no, like it's, it's not as comfortable as you think it's going to be. No, to I be sprung that for two, two, two feather down, duck down pillows, and I'm happy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so you're you're laying back there in the in the lap of an immediate lap of luxury on yeah, this yeah. island. Yeah, the wind blowing through your hair. <laughs> the, the, the I'm closing my eyes and picturing this heaven. <laughs> the palm trees are swaying. <laughs> you know, you you can only hear these slight, maybe the odd little song from a very gifted tropical bird at best. But what else would you have to listen to on that island? What would be your album? This this was the hardest. This was the mm. hardest because I've got such an eclectic mix of music. Mm-hmm. So. There were two. There were, however, there were two albums that that stood up for me. Yeah. Um. And the the first was um, Faithless Irreverence, because right. you could just listen to that anthemic song Insomnia over and over again. But actually, that isn't the album I'd take. The album I would take yeah. was um, Cafe Del Mar, their first volume. Yeah. Um. Because you could just sit on that beach. Hopefully with yeah. the water, you could have created a bit of alcohol and we could just sit and watch yeah. the ocean. I'd feel like I was sat on Cafe Del Mar in Ibiza in the cafe, chilling out. Do you know what? That I don't think anyone's... This, this is really interesting because I think most people have just gone for... They've just gone for... That's my favourite album, for example. But I think what you've done is you've really thought about what would sort of complement living on a desert island. I love it. Well, there's a song on the, there's a song on the first album that... Is one of my favourites, and I'm trying to. I've never really known its name, but doing the research for this and thinking yeah. about it, I looked it up, and I can just. If anybody's interested in kind of chill out music, which is, and it's a bit electronic, so it is a bit of a personal taste. But there's a track called "Smoke Belch 2, Yeah, the Beatles mix by Savers of Paradise, and if you if you actually listen to that music, because the the song doesn't sound anything like. The, yeah. the way it's named but if you sit yeah. and listen to that watching the ocean and it's literally like you can 
like the stars are twinkling in the sky and it's just got the, the sound of the beach. You're, you're, you're on this desert island, don't you? You've, you've <laughs> really transported yourself to it. I think you're transporting everyone to this desert island. So I cannot wait to hear what... I'm half thinking that I'm going to say, like, what film would you take? I'm just wondering if you're going to be taking, like, you know, Robinson Crusoe or something. Just, <laughs> just you put so much, you know. But what, what would be... Um, what would be... And remember, remember, you've, you've, you've given a shout-out to Mrs. Rowley, so you don't have to say your wedding video. You're okay. You're safe. <laughs> okay. You're okay. You're going to get through the night. Um, what would be the film? So, so that was where. So the first one was: Do I take Escape to Victory, given it could give me heritage to Ipswich? But given right. where we're at, I've written nice. that one off. Nice. Um, so there's a few in there. The the one that I settled on. So I did think about the wife bit. So the one I would have picked with her, we always like Quentin Tarantino films and right true romance would have been was one of the first Quentin Tarantino films I, just, I watched with her I just watched it film. I just watched it again um the other night obviously Tony Scott directed that film yeah. but Quentin Tarantino wrote it and yeah. it was one of, I believe I'm right in saying I think I think even before Reservoir Dogs it was the first screenplay he sold was actually was true romance yeah, and I watched it. it again the, the other night on 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 like a, I got like a 4k disc of it and it was amazing watching it again it really does stand up as an amazing film it's just just that love story underneath it and, and yeah yeah and quite violent through it. but the, the actual film i'd take because i really yeah. like sky fi films i'd take inception with right. leonardo dicaprio because if you're going to be on a desert island mm. desert island that film would melt your mind and you would never yeah. quite know whether you were there in some yeah. third layered reality unreality or you actually living somewhere else and you were in a dream state in a luxury bed so inception would be my number one film and and it still is actually I, I, it was yeah. one of the big films i tried to get my kids to watch yeah um and uh, did you have success yeah my youngest yeah. son ended up playing it at an, a concert on a piano the the main track from it really it was really phenomenal because he got so hooked with it but it's how old, do you, how old are your kids uh so the older one now is 19 yeah um and the other one's just going on 17. Yeah, quite similar, quite similar. Mine are just a shade younger than that. But um, I've had the same thing of introducing my favourite films to, to them, sort of going, hey, watch this, watch this and love it. <laughs> or else, you know. And if you had that bit where they look at you and go, nah, it's your film, yeah, nah. so I'm not going to like yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You, as soon as you recommend something, it's like, it's the death knell, isn't it? It's, it the, is, isn't black, it? it's the black mark. <laughs> so what have you managed to get them to listen to? What have you actually managed to get them to watch? What have I got them to watch? Well, my um, my favourite film of all time, I feel like it's been turned on me now. I feel like I'm on the desert. My favourite film of all time is, and an interesting one for Desert Island, is Jaws, is my favourite yeah. film of all time. So I got them sort of into it quite, I got them into it at quite an early age. And I think it's quite a sort of, it's quite a good entry movie for more, getting more adult, isn't it? In that it's... Yeah. Uh, that that first lot. bit of their foray yeah, into yeah. horror genre, isn't it? Yeah, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I managed to get them to watch that. Unfortunately, they, they, they loved it, because if they hadn't loved it, then I'd have to have put them up for adoption or, you know, <laughs> sold into a travelling circus or something. So, <laughs> unfortunately, they did They did absolutely love it. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, class film. Yeah. Um, Keith, that, that is brilliant. 
And again, I feel as if the way in which you approached Desert Island Supplies and you've put together this um, immersive, almost Crystal Nolan type experience <laughs> on, on this Desert Island with the, with the perfect soundtrack, with the perfect way to relax on, on your comfy home, <laughs> home bed. And, um, and obviously with the, you know, with, with the film as well, you've created this perfect um, scenario for someone living in isolation, I feel. And uh, I think it kind of says a lot about the thought you put into things before you make decisions, which sounds like you're the perfect new HCS chief officer to me. <laughs> we'll see about that. That's <laughs> a long way to go. Thanks for taking time out to have the discussion, Keith. It's been great talking. I obviously have a very vested in, um, interest in the future of the HCSA and, and the team that you've put together. I think it's there's exciting times ahead. And, um, you know, Good luck for the for the future and for your tenureship in charge. Uh, thanks, Bruce. And great to have you on board as part of the team. Really excited. Really proud about that. Okay, that concludes this episode, a slightly extended version for the obvious reasons. And I hope you'll listen next time to the next episode of Supplycast. Mm-hmm.